Um, today, as we begin, I wanted to read something to you. You have heard it said in the days of old that when driving in school zones, you should slow down to 20 miles an hour to keep it safe for the kids. But I say to you, if you drive faster than the kids walk, you have endangered the lives of children and should be ticketed. There's a second one. You've heard it said that if you find a wallet or a purse in a shopping cart at Albertsons, you should take it to the customer service center and turn it in for this is the right thing to do. But I say to you, open that wallet or purse, empty your pockets of all the cash on you, and then return the purse. This is the word of nothing. This is... <laughs> is not the word of anything. This isn't even the tra translation of the Bible. But this is exactly how foreign some of what we're about to read sounds in the book of Matthew. So today we're continuing in the book of Matthew. You, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Matthew chapter 5. If you have a device, you can point it there. Matthew chapter 5. The, the gospel lection for this week is a really bad selection. They didn't ask my opinion. Um, but in my, in my opinion, again, which means very little, this week, the sixth week after the Epiphany, um, and, and the next week, the seventh week after the Epiphany, should have been more equal. This, this, this lectionary selection in the Gospel is quite long. It has four sections. If you have a Bible that has since like divided it into paragraphs, it's likely that there's four sections. Next week is much shorter. There's only two sections. But this week... And again, they didn't ask me, but, but this week had four sections in the selection that was to be read. But today we're only going to talk about two of those four sections. Um, just briefly, before we dive in, the two that we're skipping certainly are relevant and, and certainly uh, tough and difficult for that matter. The, the section on adultery is, uh, is the first one that we're skipping, um, and it's challenging. The second on the second section on divorce uh, has some, some tough words from Jesus. Um, as a teenager who read those words, as my parents ended up separating and, and getting a divorce, while both professing faith in Jesus Christ, I, uh, my little teenage brain couldn't, couldn't reconcile. It was very, very difficult, very disorienting to hear those words. So if you have time this week, um, go ahead and, and read through those while they're pertinent and while they're applicable today. There's just so much in the reading today that I had to make choices as we, as we read. So we're not going to read those, those second and third sections. But today, for the gospel reading, we're going to read the first and the fourth section. So if you're able, would you uh, stand with me out of reverence, reverence for the reading of God's word? Today we'll be reading Matthew chapter 5, um, verses 21 to 26, and then skipping forward to thirty. Through 33. Sorry, 33 through 37. Hear now the word of the Lord. You've heard it that it was said to those who lived long ago don't commit murder, and all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their uh, brother or sister, you idiot, they will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they will be in danger of fiery hell. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. 
first make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. Be sure to make friends quickly with your opponents while you are with them on the way to court. Otherwise, they will haul you before the judge and the judge will turn you over to the officer of the court and you will be thrown into prison. I say to you in all seriousness that you won't get out of there until you've paid the very last penny. And skipping down now to verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those who lived long ago, don't make a false solemn pledge, but you should follow through on what you have pledged to the Lord. But I say to you that you must not pledge at all. You must not pledge by heaven because it's God's throne. You must not pledge by earth because it's God's footstool. You must not pledge by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. And you must not pledge by your head because you can't turn one hair white or black. Let your yes be yes. Let your no mean no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Let's say thanks be to God. Would you please be seated? Oh, we talked a little bit about, about the, the large section of Scripture that, that this, uh, these verses come from uh, last week as we met. Uh, it's been come, been come to be called the Sermon on the Mount, found in three chapters of Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, it really is a, a remarkable section of teaching that, that really is, is quite extended. It takes, takes a long time. It, it was a sermon to the masses. It says the crowds came. The crowd came to hear it. And certainly it ruffled some feathers. It ruffled some feathers of some, particularly the folks who were the religious leaders of the day. Um, today we have these sections of scripture that certainly would, would continue to be perceived as a threat by the teachers of the law. What we read last week uh, was, was interpreted that way, and these sections would do the same. Do you remember what Jesus said last week leading up to these verses? He said this, unless your righteousness is greater than the righteousness of the legal experts and the Pharisees, you don't have a chance. You don't have a chance. That's a paraphrase. Um, here again, we have Jesus saying words that, that defy and agitate the established leadership. Probably didn't take it very well. Um, you know, I, I think we all have learned in our lives to settle into rhythms of our lives, customs in our lives. It's how we end up managing our lives. We all have rhythms that are designed to help us accomplish what we need to do and navigate how we go from day to day, how we interact with our, our kids settles into rhythms. How we get stuff done around the house has certain rhythms. We're in winter now. I feel the weather starting to turn, and then, you know, we have a, a cold, wet, rainy day, um, and then there'll be a winter blast on the last weekend of February. That's what I heard, to just plan for that. So I'm, I'm getting ready. I don't know why that is. Um, in my car, I, I have this map navigation feature in my car. I don't know if some of you have this. Um, but it has this option on the map feature called breadcrumbs. Do any of you do this? Any of you? Okay, you're all looking at me strangely, so this is apparently something only I do. Uh, but I have breadcrumbs set up on my car. So everywhere I go, it drops these little dots on the map. And when I first came to Mountain Home, it was very helpful. I'd be like, oh, I've been here before. <laughs> I didn't recognize it. Um, 
But when I first came, there were dots all over the map. I was going down this road and this little road and hit that little gutter thing. And I'm like, whoa, I don't, don't want to go back there. Um, I've been here a while. And what has begun to happen? There are streets with lots and lots and lots of dots. And other streets that are just empty. I'm not, I've learned those places. I, I don't, don't go. But I've set patterns. Set patterns in my path. This past weekend, uh, I, I went to the, a new place, and there were these lonely little dots out on the map somewhere new. Uh, eventually, the dots will begin to cluster and gather on the roads, and a pattern will begin to emerge. That's a large part of the power and the angst of the Pharisees and why Jesus is so disruptive to their leadership. I mean, I, I'm, what I'm talking about is in my car is driving routes and habits, but this is, a, this is a religious system. This is an established way of worshiping Yahweh. Jesus comes in suggesting that we change all that, that we drive on different roads, that we worship in a new way. The way that we had been doing it prior is empty. And it's not very subtle. Jesus has this way of not being all that subtle with us sometimes, just telling us exactly how it is. It's not little changes. It's not baby steps. Jesus is making fundamental, overarching changes to the interpretation of the law when he speaks these words. He said that just a few verses ago in, in last week's text. He says, I have come that I, will, I might fulfill the law and the prophets. He was worried that these, these Jewish folks would, would see him as taking what had been, taking what, how they had worshipped, and setting that aside and saying, we're, we're doing it a new way. But like I suggested last week, perhaps the, the interpretation of that scripture that I have come to fulfill the law and prophets might be better interpreted that I have come to fill full the law and the prophets and everything that has become before. It has sweeping ramifications for how we interpret the law and how we live this life of faith. So Jesus starts off, he says, you have heard it said, in the days of old, that you should not commit murder. Trent says, okay, I got that. I got that one. Thanks, Jesus. Uh, this was the law. This was included in the Big Ten, right? The Big Ten Commandments. Moses comes down off the mountain. God has ten things to remind us of. Number six, there it is, don't kill each other. I've got that. I can avoid that. I haven't done that in my life. And Jesus is like, hang on just a minute here. Let's, let's, go, let's go a little bit deeper here, Trent. Let, let's, let's dig in. And let's take it back to the interior life. The prohibition of killing one another is a very external instruction, but one that I think we're, we're quite capable of following. But Jesus introduces this different progression. Anger. You idiot. You fool. And he once again turns our attention away from the exterior measurements that we have in our life, the boundaries, the guardrails that have been set up in the old law. And he says, let me fill that full. Let me tell you what that's really about. 
How do you feel toward that person? What's inside toward that person? And our attention is taken away from the exterior and again drawn to the interior. It shines a spotlight on the inside. <laughs> Jesus, come on. <laughs> Why do you have to do this to me? What, what, what's this about? I mean, I can work really hard to act the right way. Okay, when, 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 it was, when it was about the exterior action, I was on it. But sometimes I get angry. Sometimes people deserve some of those labels that I put on them. Jesus, do you know the same people I know? <laughs> Help me out. I was riding in a car several years ago with, with some of my coworkers. I was riding in the passenger seat while my coworker was driving, and, and there was this toggle switch on the dash. She's driving along, and she, she clicks it a few times, totally unmarked, um, and she was driving. She reached for this toggle switch, um, and, and, and then she kind, of, she kind of glanced up and noticed I was watching, um, and she... <laughs> she put her hand back on the steering wheel. I was like, what's, what's that switch? She's like, I'm a little embarrassed to share this, but that's my kill switch. <laughs> I was like, your kill switch? And she's like, yeah, the drivers do annoying things. And, and instead of getting angry, I just kind of hit, hit the kill switch. It, it, re it, releases, it releases all that internal angst. And it doesn't do anything, but that's what it is. And I, sometimes that's a good picture of the internal process as opposed to the external process. I was reminded this week as I prepared for this sermon that the year is 2020. Uh, and in case you were unaware or have been sleeping for a month and a half, um, this year is an election year. Um, and I feel compelled to tell you uh, that this passage bears direct application to how people conduct themselves, both internally and externally when it comes to elections in this country. Have you ever witnessed that? <laughs> Have you ever had experience with that? There are good and rational, thoughtful people who will vote for the same person that you vote for. There are good and rational and thoughtful and Christian people who will vote for a different person than you vote for. And I have seen, especially lately, just vitriolic contempt, disrespect leaking out all over the place. And I would love to say that I'm really proud of the tribe of people that I call my Christian brothers and sisters and the way that they've conducted themselves and the way that they've approached this. And I can't say that. That, that. that contempt and disrespect has no place for people who first, whose first commitment is to follow Jesus Christ. I don't believe the pulpit's a place to, to stand and tell you who to vote for, but I believe the pulpit is a place that informs how we treat each other, informs how we conduct ourselves, The politic of Jesus Christ is, is fundamental. How we act, this interior part of what we do and how we treat each other 
That's so important. If we truly are about becoming one as the body of Christ, we have a higher call. We don't entertain the thoughts of contempt. The words shouldn't circulate in mind, in our minds. And really, it, it, it shouldn't even be about the warnings that Jesus gives. Jesus gives some warnings in this, in this text, in this passage, in danger of judgment, in danger of, of fiery hell. Let me make a bold statement, if I may. <laughs> I have the microphone, so I got to. I believe this. I think, I think, if the only thing keeping you from anger towards another person is judgment, you will continually be brought back to that place of anger. I think, I think, if the only thing keeping you from anger towards another person is judgment, you will continually be brought back to that same place of anger that you won't find victory it's not enough. It won't hold. As long as you're stuck there, you'll never find victory over the anger. And so you say, Trent, where's, where's the hope? What do I do? Here's what I believe. And consequently, this is what I believe because this is what I've experienced in my own life. The anger and the animosity that we tend to feel is not going to be scared out of us. It must be replaced by the cultivation of something new. The anger and animosity that we tend to feel will not be scared out of us. It must be replaced by something new, and we have to cultivate that. We have to work at that, folks. It doesn't happen overnight. The amazing thing here is that Jesus gives us a picture of it. Jesus gives us a picture as he, as he speaks. What does he say? While you're offering your gift at the altar, this was worship for the first century Jew. And you remember you have something against your brother or sister. This is set in the context of, of what he had just talked about and in, in anger towards one another and calling someone an idiot and calling someone a fool. If you remember you have something against your brother or sister, leave your gift at the altar. Interrupt your worship. And go make it right. That's cultivation, folks. That's the cultivation of reconciliation. I need to make it right. What would this look like? What if we took this seriously? What if, what if we actually did this, church? This isn't so much saying, don't be angry, don't call someone an idiot, don't call, don't call someone a fool. This is doing the work to make it right. It's cultivating something entirely brand new. I fear our attendance might go down, depending on when we count. Thou, thou might be up singing, bringing worship in the heart of this passionate song. Somebody gets up and walks out. They go place a call to an estranged parent or an estranged child or a family member just to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Let's not live this way any longer. Forgive me. Husband and wife would look at each other in the eye and say, my sharp words this morning, even as we were getting ready for church, they were wrong. Let's talk about that this afternoon. Let's work this out. Brother and sister, 
setting things right in the middle of worship. How crazy would that be? It sounds like a church so committed to becoming one that they won't let things stand in the way. The principle is sound, that, that when we give negative, pow- negative behavior power, when we focus on it, don't get angry, don't lash out. I'm not going to get angry today. I'm not going to get angry today. It just gives it all the power. That's where our focus is. That's what, that's what we're bound to, to end up that direction. How do we cultivate love for that other person? For that other person that votes different than you and floods Facebook with their opinions? For that other person that lives next door and makes it really hard to be a good neighbor. I'm trying, Lord, I'm trying. For whatever other that drives you crazy and makes you so angry. Lord, help us cultivate a love for that person. I think we have to be careful with this text. This text will get into our our business just a little bit, maybe just a lot. Um, it's not easy. Um, we don't really have time to, to dig into this second, second, scripture, second section of Scripture much, uh, but I think it's good to think about. Jesus' statement from, from old is, is, don't make a false, solemn pledge, but follow through on all your pledges to the Lord. And Jesus says, don't make pledges at all. This is kind of tough. I had one commentator who, who wrote about it. this is really a, a tough thing to deal with, with what Jesus said, because uh, we have plenty of examples in Scripture of people who were following God who made pledges, who made promises. Um, plenty of people who do the, the very thing. Some writers of the, of the text, some writers of Scripture even ascribe God as doing this, this very thing, making pledges with humanity. So it's a bit weird to see Jesus say this. But listen to this instruction. Just let your yes be yes. Let your no mean no. It's in this invitation that that I feel like we're invited to live wholehearted lives, to live with integrity. Have you known someone who is adamant that you believe everything they say? The more they say, hey, hey, look, you got to believe me. No, no, really, I promise. This, this is the truth. I'm telling you the truth. What begins to happen? Okay. All right. You begin to question because they're so insistent, because they're so adamant. I want to live in such a way that my yes is yes. That when I tell you yes, that you can... Take that to the bank. That when my no, when I say no, that my no is no. My life is centered, and I'm not tempted and drawn and pulled toward anger toward the other. Yeah, I I don't want to be in danger of judgment. I don't want the things that that uh, I was warned about in that first section. But the thing that will set me free is to simply cultivate my life, becoming the person that I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, whose yes is yes, a person whose yes means yes, and their no means no, whose worship not only reorients my relationship with Christ, but has an element in it that draws me into proper relationship with other people. Why? Because I take the initiative to set things right with other people.
Lord, make me that kind of worshiper. Make me that kind of person, I pray. I'm going to invite the praise team up today uh, as we close. Uh, maybe today, you know, like me, that anger is something that can sneak up on you at times. Today, I invite you to ask God to cultivate something new inside of you. And in the context of worship, you know, maybe today you know that you need to go make something right with someone. Go do it. Prayerfully, full of humility and tact and grace. Have that tough conversation. I don't believe God calls us to a life of comfort. Some of what God calls us to do can be pretty difficult. But take Jesus at his word today. That if you're worshiping and you realize something's wrong, go make it right. Maybe today you just want to cultivate that spirit of letting your yes be yes, letting your no be no. That's not only the starting point, but it's also the finish line as well. That life of integrity is so foundational, is so important. Um, we're going to take time uh, today to just offer uh, a prayer. But before we, before we do that, before I pray for us, and, and maybe some of you um, feel compelled today by the word of God to just make a commitment. Um, but as we pray today, um, I'm going to take time to just offer our family prayer today. And we have a special prayer request today. Um, and I'm going to um, just share with, with you um, that this morning, Casey uh, Landis uh, is here with us today, and um, she has found on the back of her head just a lump. Um, and so Robin asked if the church could pray. I want to read this scripture to you. James 5 says this, um, If any of you are sick, they should call for the elders of the church, and the elders should pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And so if we take God at his word, then we take all of God at his word all of his word. And so we're going to pray for Casey today um, as part of our family prayer. Um, and if some of you want to come uh, and surround her and, and pray with us for her, then that would be great. But Casey, I'm going to invite you to just come up here and um, we're going to have the family uh, that wants to to come and surround. But I invite those of you who wish to pray to come and surround her as well. And I'll be anointing her with oil during this prayer. So do you want to just come right over here? Let's go ahead and pray. Father, today we just um, lift our, our hearts and lives to you. I'm so grateful for your word that offers us instruction, that gives us life, that gives us hope, that calls us in a direction to become more and more like you. So today we just ask that you would be with us all, that you would set us free from moments of anger, from moments that uh, challenge us, and make us more and more like you. Would you just allow us to live lives full of integrity? Help cultivate in us the people who you want us to be. And Lord, today we uh, offer this specific request today for, for Casey and lift her up to you, God. Um, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that you are a God of divine healing 
Um, and my specific prayer is that if the opportunity is there, Father, that you would just take care of this lump without a doctor involved, that you would, you would heal her today. So today, Father, I anoint her with oil in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and ask that you would just heal her and bless her this day. Help her family to know how to surround her and support her in these moments of uncertainty. May we as the church surround this family um, and be the support that they need and offer uh, what we can during these uncertain moments. But we just commit her to you, knowing that you are the great physician. So bless her, we pray. I also lift the other physical and uh, emotional and mental needs of, of our congregation up to you, believing that you are God that knows us so well and is intimately involved with us on all areas of our life, Father. We just ask that you would be very close to us and set us free from that which binds us, we pray. Lord, we thank you for the chance to gather, and I'm so grateful for this church family and how we... Uh, just support each other and care for each other. I'm grateful for how you're helping us grow, what you're teaching us, and how we just realize we're not finished yet, that you still have more for us to do and want us to continue to grow. Thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for these people. Would you be with us this week, we pray in Christ's name. sing of that goodness. We proclaim that goodness. We will live that goodness in our day-to-day -day lives as we're able. And he's with us. He walks with us. He will provide for us. Minister to us when we need it. Today the Lord invites us again to a new way of living. One that doesn't make sense to the world. One that didn't even make sense to the religious leaders back in the day. In fact, I'm sure it kind of made him angry. Who are you, Jesus, to shape a new way of life for us? We've been doing, we've been fine without you, Jesus, for long enough. Yet he was the epitome of what he talked about, a man living centered, wholehearted life, whose yes was yes, whose no was no. May we model our lives in such a way. Would you extend your hands again today to receive our benediction? Sometimes I think about trying to live like Jesus did, and I get overwhelmed. I can get discouraged. The words of one of my favorite verses in Scripture, offer me hope, says this, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. That power is at work within us today to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. You're dismissed.